Talk Telecom with Andy Netzel and John Rewe. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to Andy and John Talk Telecom. I'm Andy Netzel. And I'm John Rewe. Thank you for listening in. We are uh, excited that you're here. John, episode two, our first real episode outside of the 90-second teaser we put out last week. I'm excited for it. I am ready for it. How are you feeling? Man, I'm ready for it, too. I can't wait to get this out there into the telecom world and... Uh, you know, we've been working on this for a while, and it's excited to be at this point here. So, um, yeah, I'm stoked. Let's go. <laughs> Good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm also feeling great. Opening day of baseball is yesterday. The uh, PGA Tour is in full swing, you know, pun fully intended. <laughs> Hockey and basketball playoffs are just around the corner, and it is an exciting time to, to be alive and to be a sports fan. The Masters was moved to this fall. The uh, Kentucky Derby was moved to this fall. It's going to be a, a – a, full and busy few months of the uh, sports calendar so i am excited about it and college yeah. football may be happening may not but uh i'm be optimistic about it so a lot of yeah, a lot of good sure. things going on yeah i can't wait man it's been so wild not having any sports for a while i'm just getting tired of watching reruns of old sports events so it's pretty exciting coming down the pike <laughs> yeah it's fine you know i i uh I watched The Last Dance. I grew up in Chicago during those uh, Jordan Bulls years, and uh, oh, it, was, yeah. it was great and it was exciting, but nothing um, nothing like live sports. But uh, you're, uh, how's, I know, understand that you're moving. How's the move going? Oh, man, the move's going okay. Um, I was uh, trying to get my Jeep fired up so I could move it to the new spot this morning, and uh, not going so well. That old, that old dog <laughs> always runs good, but not today. So, yeah, in the midst of that and moving boxes here and there in the 100-plus degree sun, it's just, uh, it's just a real joy. But, uh, but it's going. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's going, right? And, and uh, you know, this too shall pass, and eventually it will be done. Indeed. So, anyway, we're uh, recording this on Saturday with plans for it to drop on Monday morning. That is uh, the morning of July 27th. And that, that's our goal for you, um, you our listeners. We plan to drop episodes every other week at a minimum on Monday mornings. And, John, what is, uh, what's some of the content we want to bring to our listeners? Well, Andy, I'm glad you asked. So what we're trying to do is bring uh, news and insights from the telecom industry, um, really all aspects of telecom, from 5G to fiber to the home, from fixed wireless to HFC networks, and beyond. Um, we'll be talking about current and emerging technologies, uh, public policy, and new deployments, and also bringing in guests to share their experience and expertise. And if that's not enough, we'll also be sharing some tips from our uh, miles we've uh, run on the road in our travel corner. A lot of good stuff. Very excited about it. For, uh, for, for this episode in particular, we're going to start with telecom news and this week in telecom history. We're going to talk a bit about the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, talk about Lando Lakes, yes, the butter company. What? We're going to give our first travel corner recommendations, and we'll close uh, the episode out with upcoming SCTE trains. So, John, before we get into it, I know you're in the process of selling your house and moving like we talked about, and we, uh, we talked about how it's been stressful, and you know, you're pretty much over it, but I bet you've had a better week uh, than some of uh, the Verizon employees at the Verizon store in Roseville, California. Oh, really? Yeah, these poor employees had to deal with something no one should ever have to deal with. 
So at the Roseville, California Verizon store this past week, a customer decided that she did not want to comply with the store's request that she wears a mask. With the pandemic going on, as you know, a lot of businesses and states and municipalities are requiring that people wear masks when they, they venture out into public. Uh, you know, the you know, no shoes, no shirt, no service is now also become no mask, no service. And, and that's just the, the way it is. Well, uh, she decided she did not want to wear a mask and she just uh, became belligerent and she became belligerent enough where the employees uh, decided to call the police because she would not leave the store and she would not put a mask on. So the police were called to remove her from the premises. But when the police arrived, she did not go quietly into the night. Instead, she decided she was going to urinate all over the floor and all over Aww. the store. Yeah, you know, I don't know what brings someone to uh, to do that, but you know, she uh, she took those actions and just just you know, kind of oh. trashed the store in, in her own way. So I know it's been a stressful week for for you moving and with the Jeep not starting up, but at least you're not that that poor employee at the Verizon store who who has to mop up uh, this this lady's uh, you know mask protest. No, oh. Count me out on that. I'd rather be laying under the Jeep wrenching on something than, than cleaning up uh, that situation for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's just that's just wrong. So, And just, just wear a mask, people. Let's be COVID-19 together, right? So without <laughs> much further ado, let's get into our telecom news for the week. You're listening to Andy and John Talk Telecom. All right, John, let's kick it off with telecom news this week. Go ahead. Yeah, so in telecom news, um, Charter kind of surprised a lot of people by uh, putting in a bid for the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund uh, money. Uh, we'll be talking about more in this podcast. So um, they were the first of the um, cable TV traditional providers to, um, and I think the only one to uh, bid on these funds. Um they're um, looking to in their um, uh, 8K filing uh, to put a multi-billion-dollar investment into rural areas over an eight-year period, um, looking to target these underserved uh, rural areas, and they uh, basically see an opportunity to uh, uh, you know have the same sort of uh, revenue that they're generating from their uh, traditional networks and also serve these uh, these areas uh, in new ways. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, how they are able to leverage their existing assets out in these rural areas with their uh, fiber uh, links they have for uh, cell tower backhaul and other uh, enterprise solutions. And then additionally, as uh, they've announced, I think as far back as a couple of years ago, um, their research in fixed wireless. Um, kind of following a trend that we've seen a little more lately uh, from uh, operators like CenturyLink that are uh, um, getting into the fixed wireless world. So um, kind of coupling those two things together with um, the potential for build out, uh, it's gonna be really interesting. I'd be really eager to hear any uh, feedback from any of our listeners, um, if they know more about how what Charter's plans and also to uh, you know watch, watch the news and, and see how this is gonna unfold full it's kind of exciting to see uh you know diversity in uh providers getting into the RDOF uh world and ultimately with the goal of connecting these underserved areas which i can relate to uh having lived out in the country for quite some time uh it is difficult to work from home 
when you've uh, got uh, one or two bars on your hotspot or uh, or a fixed wireless connection that isn't quite uh, rated broadband by the FCC. So, yeah, good That's stuff right. coming from Charter there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Again, we'll be talking a lot more about the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund in, in a little bit when we go a little more in-depth on it and talk about the the broadband you know, speeds that, that you referenced uh, that was mandated by the FCC. So, yeah, that is, that is interesting from from charter so we'll have to uh keep a keep uh, our thumb on the pulse of that and, and see how that goes for them so i appreciate that john so we'll, we'll go to this week in telecom history so this week in telecom history the world's first international communication satellite called telstar one uh, was launched in 1962 telstar one was a collaboration between the united states great britain and france it introduced the world to transatlantic video feeds and ushered in a new era of communication so you know what, John? We have we have satellites all over the the atmosphere, all over space now. Um, you know, and with, with GPS or you know satellite TV, uh, just any sort of communication satellite. You know, they're super commonplace now. So it's it, it's interesting. You know, the first one was launched. You know, 1962 uh, in this week. Though they're they're so commonplace and so common that Elon Musk is uh, fighting for the World Digital Opportunity Fund's dollars that, that you just talked about to try and provide high-speed internet to underserved areas via satellite. Uh, so this is a, um, wow, you know, that... it's an interesting, interesting subject. Uh, and, you know, we're going to dive more into it, but go ahead. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, obviously Elon Musk has an array of satellites already is up there for uh as he kind of researches this this new avenue of space-based telecommunications uh, that are that are used in a more uh, broad sense for the public, and uh, that's quite a quite a jump from the initial Telstar One back in '62. <laughs> quite the jump, quite quite the <laughs> jump. He's already got the uh, the infrastructure available with um, his company SpaceX to to launch these satellites and um, you know get what he needs up there if he does win um, some of the bidding for. Uh, money from the government to to serve underserved areas with high speed internet. So he's got the infrastructure there. So definitely something I will be looking at come October uh, when those funds are initially awarded um, to see if if he gets any and and to see if he can you know produce on what he's promising. You know he, Tesla right now has a, a, a stock value and a valuation of a company that, that far outweighs whatever has before. SpaceX has contracts with the government just launched. Uh, the first two astronauts to the International Space Station from U.S. soil in in years. Uh, so, you know, he is he is delivered on his promises thus far with those two companies. We'll see if he can do the same here with uh, high-speed internet uh, via satellite. Oh, yeah. Elon Musk is on a roll. I mean, not only I – mean, I think that the uh, successful trip to the space station was really a feather in his cap. and uh, For sure. And, you know, that was cool. And then on the Tesla side – uh, he just announced that he's uh, setting up a massive factory in Austin, Texas. So that's right. You know, with SpaceX based down in South Texas, and now uh, Tesla Auto Manufacturing uh, based in Texas. Uh, I think you know, with you and I being based in Texas, we'll be seeing a, we'll be hearing a lot more from Elon Musk and his uh, uh, technological adventures uh, over the next uh, who knows how long. It's we will, we will. That's for sure. So, well, that's news. That's this week in telecom history. Uh, we're going to take a short break and we will be back with our, our first in-depth segment uh, talking about the World Digital Opportunity Fund. You're listening to Andy and John Talk Telecom. 
Welcome back to Andy and John Talk Telecom. We're going to our next segment here. Uh, we're going to talk about the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund. And John, the, uh, the Federal Communications Commission uh, is, is sponsoring this Rural Digital Opportunity Fund. And phase one of this fund will award up to $16 billion in support over 10 years for the deployment of fixed broadband networks to millions of unserved homes and businesses across rural America. Fixed broadband. So for our audience, maybe not fully up uh, to speed on what the FCC calls broadband, what are they defining as broadband in the context of this uh, auction? So so broadband internet is the the most used form of internet access because of its uh, high access speeds. It can be offered in DSL, digital subscriber line, also fiber optic, cable, and satellite. Um, So in, in 2015, the FCC uh, adopted a benchmark of 25 megabits per second download speed and three megabits per second upload speed. Uh, and um, they said that was broadband. And that would basically allow for basic or moderate use in a household. So when, when we're talking about broadband, those are the, the minimum speeds uh, that we're talking about. Uh, the benchmark since 2015 uh, remained relatively unchanged. Uh, some Areas, though, have even lower benchmarks. So, for example, the California Public Utilities Commission has a, has a lower benchmark of six megabits per second uh, download speed and one megabit, one megabit per second upload speed uh, to be considered served by broadband. But federally, across the nation, 25 uh, download speed, three upload speed is, is considered broadband. So uh, when we're talking about it, you talked about charter. They can provide broadband through, uh, through cable, uh, we talked about Elon Musk. He could provide broadband through satellite. Uh, so there are um, uh, multiple ways to do it, fiber optic, all, all sorts of different ways to provide broadband service to, uh, to these rural communities, which the, the RDUF is uh, really trying to hit. So in the auction, and the way it's written, is the FCC favoring a certain delivery method, i.e. fiber versus uh, fixed wireless, and are they giving any uh, sort of uh, consideration for op- uh, providers that want to offer beyond the 25 sure. by three? Sure, so um, just to back up, applications uh, were submitted by uh, you know, whoever wanted to, to fight or to, to vie for these funds. The application window opened up July 1st and uh, ended a couple weeks later. So bidding uh, begins on October 29th, so FCC's most likely right now in the process of going through applications and will approve the people who can bid for funds uh, with that bidding starting October 29th. Now, in terms of who, you know, what they would favor, you know, speed versus cost, you know, anybody who comes in, you know, saying they can provide, you know, the highest speed for lowest cost, of, of course, that's going to be hard to beat. Um, I have not seen anything where the FCC said they're favoring one method of deploying, deployment versus the other. I think it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. You know, a lot of these uh, actually, most of these areas they're trying to get into are, are rural areas, trying to bridge the digital divide between rural and urban uh, access. So uh, there may be some areas where it is cost prohibitive uh, to to lay fiber all the way out there. So maybe satellite's a better idea, or um, you know, or maybe cable is already close to a rural area where it doesn't cost them as much to to branch out and to build out into there. So of course, you know, anybody who who brings we're going to give you know the best speeds at the lowest cost you know that's going to be hard for um, the FCC to turn down Uh, but I think we're going to see a good mix of the uh, different kinds of ways to bring broadband access uh, to areas 
uh, when when the dust settles, when all is said and done. And and so this is only phase one. You know, phase one is is 16 billion, and that's obviously no small chunk. The total amount the program will award is up to 20.4 billion dollars. So there's still four up to 4.4 billion dollars of uh, funds out there for phase two of the uh, RDAF. It's the, uh, as mentioned, FC's most ambitious step towards bridging the digital divide between urban and rural communities. Companies like Charter, you've already mentioned, CenturyLink, Frontier, and telcos all over rural America are uh, expected to bid on portions of those funds. We already talked about the bidding. It begins on October 29th. Uh, so, so question, yeah. question about that. So October 29th is mere days ahead of the November presidential election it, so it is. how does how does that affect things i mean this has been an initiative of the fcc but under the auspices of the current um administration so sure. if the white house changes hands how does that affect uh these funds so the rdf is in a, it's in conjunction with the proposed one trillion dollar infrastructure stimulus package in which some of those funds uh, would go towards 5g wireless infrastructure and rural broadband access uh, but like you said, you know, October 29th, uh, a mere, you know, days or week um, before the November, excuse me, election. Uh, and, you know, what's going to happen, like you said, the White House changes, changes hands. Well, Democrats have introduced an even larger infrastructure package called the Moving Forward Act. And it's a $1.5 trillion package, including $60 billion for overbuilding of high-speed service, $100 billion for affordable broadband, and uh, it would establish an office of internet connectivity and growth. And so if the White House changes hands, I think what you're seeing here is there's bipartisan support for uh, building out to, to rural America and providing broadband access to rural America. So uh, this RDA fund, you know, it's, it's not going away. Should, um, you know, the uh, White House change hands, should uh, the, um, you know, election prove something different than in, in 2016, uh, so I think we're we're good uh, for the future of seeing more and more money going towards a, a build out of, of broadband access towards uh, underserved, uh, primarily rural areas. And it's uh, you know internet connectivity is is essentially you know being viewed as now a need. You know you need food, shelter, water, and how uh, you know you need internet connectivity to do um, a lot of uh, you know basic things for for you know, in, in today's world. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the pandemic has put an even greater emphasis on that where, you know, it's one thing to not be able to watch Netflix in the evenings, but if you're now working from home and your kids are doing school from home, um, you know, it, it does become incredibly essential to keep uh, keep things moving. And That's right, that's right. Without a clear end in sight uh, as far as the impact of COVID-19, uh, you know, I, I think... I think in broadly everyone is focused on it, you know, from a, you know, a frontline sense of like the actual people that are dealing with the lack of broadband and uh, certainly uh, the, the politicians and an FCC, uh, different uh, industry uh, experts, uh, other entities that have an interest in this. It's, it's kind of come to the fore more broadly across the, in the national conversation, I think, than ever before. Absolutely. You know, like you said, people doing school from home, a lot of people working from home. Uh, it's just stress the need for, um, you know, higher speed access for, for, for everybody. Uh, 
you know, shout out to, to Comcast who promised to provide free access to its 1.5 million public Xfinity Wi-Fi hotspots through the, the end of the year in order for uh, people who uh, are underserved uh, for, and don't have high-speed broadband access, they, they can go find, hopefully find, you know, Xfinity uh, high-speed Wi-Fi hotspot to, to get schoolwork done, uh, to get work done. But, um, you know, it is a much more comfortable setting and much more conducive learning environment to be able to have high-speed broadband access in your home and, you know, do virtual schooling from home than it is, uh, you know, the parking lot of, of, you know, some commercial store where you, you say you can get a Xfinity Wi-Fi hotspot. Nothing to take away from, from Comcast. And it's wonderful that they're providing uh, these hotspots for free through the end of 2020 uh, because of the, the pandemic. But, um, you know, it's just a better working environment, better school environment. If you're able to get that access and that speed at home. Yeah. And that's I what mean, the, uh, the RDUF aims to do. Yeah, that's going to be great. I mean, I, I applaud the sort of uh, interim efforts that have been made, like companies like Comcast. And, and I know that uh, some of the other uh, major providers have um, uh, subsidized uh, internet packages um, that um, people with needs can access at a really reduced rate. And then, you know, here locally, what I saw is the school district was rolling out uh, hot spots in school buses and parking them in random neighborhoods and things to, you know, try to bridge that gap. But the fact is, you know, a lot of that is only, uh, and certainly with regard to a company like major providers like Comcast, you mentioned, or Charter, they're really, as of now, kind of focused on the, um, the uh, really more dense um, urban areas. And so, like we talked about this, this digital divide of being out in the country, that's, those those kids, even if there are, um, you know, subsidies available, other things available, there's just not the service there in a lot of cases. So, uh, yeah, it's cool to see us marching and doing in that direction, something being done about it. That's right. That's right. It's great to see the uh, the telecom industry come together in a, in a time of need and and provide in a, in a way they haven't had to before. And it's it's just great to see. So. Well, John, that is uh, the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, and we're sure to be talking about that more in the future, uh, especially come you know near the end of the year when these funds start being uh, awarded and work uh, starts being done and ground starts being broken to uh, to build this uh, broadband access out to the rural communities. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. You came to me earlier in the week, and you know you wanted to talk a little bit about Land of Lakes, and I was very confused because. I thought you were talking about the Butter Company, and you indeed were talking about the Butter Company. We're talking about Lando Lakes, uh, and you know, you shot me some stuff, started reading over, and it was it was incredibly interesting. So I will, I will let you take that from here and, and, and tell me why and how Lando Lakes matters to the telecom industry. Yeah, so I was I was pretty uh, intrigued by this story, uh, which I titled Butter and Broadband. So, like. Most of um, most of Americans, uh, probably most of you out there, I grew up uh, buttering my toast and my biscuits with Land Lakes butter, and it's pretty fantastic. I mean, uh, uh, just thinking about it right now, like a fresh slice of homemade bread and the toaster with some butter on it. I mean, it, that's like perfect breakfast. Right I know what there. you're doing for breakfast tomorrow. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. So um, the crazy thing about that is. Okay, yeah, butter, love it. What does that have to do with broadband? Well, I saw this article the other day. It was, I guess, a couple weeks ago, 
uh, and it was actually in all most of the trades, uh, this Lando Lakes initiative with broadband. And I said, what is going on with this? So I had to Google this, and I got to say, until I stumbled upon this American Connection Project press release, I had no idea Lando Lakes was such a massive enterprise. Um, so just to kind of recap, this announcement is uh, was spearheaded by Lando Lakes and includes, I think, 49 other... Uh, major entities like Microsoft, Hewlett Packard, uh, the Mayo Clinic, uh, Ducks Unlimited, um, and then there was one provider in this group, uh, CenturyLink, and I think also the University of Minnesota. So a pretty broad coalition there, and basically they've gathered forces to advocate for um, broadband access for rural areas. Um, and I said, why is a dairy company spearheading this movement? Uh, so Googling Land Lakes, I immediately found their website. It's really slick. Um, I said, what is this? I thought maybe it would just have like salted and unsalted butter and some of their other products and kind of tell you a little bit about that. But really, Land Lakes is a massive co-op that was founded 99 years ago um, in 1921 by 320 dairy farmers in St. Paul, Minnesota to more effectively market their dairy products across the country. Um, they have currently 150 million acres of productive cropland, either growing crops or uh, as farm, uh, dairy farms. Um, during World War II, they became the world's largest manufacturer of dry milk products, which, you know, I, that was a big deal back then. I haven't seen dry milk in a while, but... Uh, but it's a thing, was a thing during World War II. And then, you know, the mergers and acquisitions thing came along in the 70s. They merged with another big co-op called Felco. And then the 80s, they got involved internationally with uh, helping to uh, use some of the uh, techniques that they developed to improve productivity and food security in developing countries. Uh, I mean, they're still very involved internationally and own a majority stake in a farming enterprise in South Africa. Um, they acquired uh, the Purina or a portion of Purina. Um, they started this agribusiness uh, called Winfield that works in seed crop protection and technology. And then this True Terra Insights platform, which really takes farming into this digital world that we wouldn't really think of in terms of farming. Um, this True Terra thing that uh, Land Lakes owns is harnessing technology and innovative thinking to drive productivity and stronger environmental outcomes. I took that text from their website. Pretty wild stuff. That is, that is a lot. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll say this. You mentioned dried milk. Don't try it. When I was deployed, I tried some dried milk. It was nasty. If you can get the real <laughs> stuff, just, just stick to it. It, it, it is not, um, it just doesn't taste like milk. It, no. I'd rather, if I had to put dried milk in my cereal, I'd just put water in my cereal. Not worth it. <laughs> yeah, anyway. you know, since you mentioned it, I, I'll admit um, I did have an encounter with that dried milk stuff when I was a kid as well. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, not something you want to get involved in for sure. <laughs> so Land Lakes, they are part of this, like you mentioned, broad coalition, all these companies you mentioned on here. I'm looking at, looking at the list right now. To bring broadband internet to rural communities. Uh, do they have... You know any sort of timeline are they part of um 
you know, are they, are they trying to get rural digital opportunity fund dollars? Are they lobbying? You know, what is, um, do they, you know, what's their way ahead from here? Yeah. yeah. So what they've stated in this press release uh, from July 8th is that this coalition will advocate for public and private sector investment to bring high speed internet infrastructure to rural areas. Um, so Lando Lakes has already kind of started on a lot of these initiatives on their own, and they're just kind of expanding this coalition to push this. They're looking at um, not only addressing this with the federal government, which is the point of this particular letter, um, but they're also engaging with uh, local communities at the state level and with private enterprises as well. I mean, it looks like kind of an all uh, coming at it from all angles to try to uh, solve this digital divide problem that we have. Um, but, you know, it's not just, you know, uh, I don't want to say altruistic. We just need to help sure. our uh, co-op members get connected so they can do, have access to telehealth uh, or s school from home. But really, it's becoming critical for farming to have and farmers to have access to broadband to run their business. And so kind of like how I mentioned this True Terra Insights platform and how it's uh, kind of bringing technology to improve farming outcomes. I mean, it's pretty powerful stuff. I mean, it's it's getting into the Amazon world of big data and using all that big data to improve farming. So um, one of the things that, that Lando Lakes mentioned is uh, that, uh, let's see, what is the number? $130 billion is the uh, economic impact of farms in America. And... Farmers face challenges that threaten viability from climate change, trade issues, workforce issues, and with COVID-19, supply chain issues, things like that. So being more and more efficient is critical. So that brings us to this next big announcement that Lando Lakes made uh, about their new alliance with Microsoft. So hold on, before, before that, so you said it was $130 billion uh, that it's worth to the U.S. economy? Yeah. So, and that's, I mean, I'm reading this, so the, I'll just read this verbatim. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce Technology Engagement Center has found that better adoption of online and digital services by businesses outside metropolitan areas, so rural areas, rural farms, could create 360,000 new full-time jobs in rural areas and add more than $140 billion to the U.S. economy over the next three years. So you're talking about basically doubling, you know, their value to the U.S. economy, um, just by bringing, you know, better broadband access to rural areas, to farms. That's, um, you know, that's definitely a, a noble endeavor. And, you know, that's just, that sounds fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many things, not only are there new efficiencies that, um, that uh, can be found with farming as, as you kind of read what Land Lakes talks about in, in their farms, but also just the ability to um, do a lot of things that in the country that you could do in the city because you have broadband, even, sure. you know, different kind of work from home opportunities. And of course, COVID-19 brings that into, uh, into focus more as more people are working from home. But the focus kind of on, uh, you know, kind of the root of this is, is, of course, as we say, is expanding broadband access. So with this Microsoft Land Lakes announcement, um, again, I saw this and I'm like, okay, this is, this is getting crazy. Land Lakes is so high tech and this is so cool. And Basically, Land O'Lakes member farmers are relying more and more on big data and AI to improve 
um, their business and improve utilization of natural resources and just find new efficiencies. So this TrueTerra Insights engine gathers satellite images, matches them with computer algorithms, using field data to create prescriptions for certain plots of a farmer's field. So one area you might use this kind of seed, and this other area of the farm you might use this kind of seed, and different types of watering. And, and it, I mean, it really is just bringing technology into farming, which is super cool. So to support all their development in this uh Getting into the AI world, this big data world, uh, Land Lakes is going to migrate all their IT infrastructure to Microsoft Azure platform and Microsoft Cloud Services, and that's where internet connectivity becomes a huge issue. Um, because to use all these cool new tools, farmers have to be able to connect to the internet, um, and that's an issue. Because uh, let's see, what is the U.S. soybean? Board, United Soybean Board did a study last year that said that 60% of U.S. farmers do not have enough connectivity to run their business. 78% um, of farmers do not have a choice in internet service providers. 60% of farmers say their internet service is slow, mostly relying on cell signals or hotspots, a struggle I can totally relate to. 40% of farmers have fixed internet connection and others rely on satellite connection. So in order to be connected to the cloud and to access all these tools, they just can't use this stuff. So we there's all this internet way down yonder on the Chattahoochee, John. Boy, that's right. That's what I'm hearing. And then if we can do that, farmers are going to be much more efficient and there's going to be great economic opportunities to grow there. So, so that's kind of why Lando Lakes has an interest in broadband and why they're partnering with Microsoft and to make farming more sustainable, more efficient, and better for the environment. But you know, if you're out there on the Chattahoochee with uh, one bar of data on your hotspot, um, or you got to go up on this little crest of the hill over there um, to get a little signal, you know, you can't use these these tools and these this no. technology they're coming out with. So, so that's what this is all about. And as a part of it. Uh, Lando Lakes and Microsoft are uh, partnering to deploy Microsoft's airband technology to um, locations throughout Lando Lakes' 50 state networks. Um, and if you haven't heard about airband, that's uh, a technology that uses TV white spaces that uh, Microsoft has uh, pioneered and, and patented, but they're sharing the patents in uh, uh, royalty free for anybody that wants to work in that. So. Um, it, it's pretty crazy stuff and not really where you would have expected to see such a vociferous uh, activity on behalf of rural broadband development advocacy uh, in farming and Lando Lakes is leading the way. Hey, that is fantastic. It's, it sounds like a smart investment, um, you know, for, for our country, for our farmers. And uh, man, I, I'm all about it. I definitely want to keep our eye on this and cool yeah man well hey thank you for that i did not know how uh how land of lakes and how butter could be tied into to telecom and to broadband at all but uh consider me further educated so i appreciate that uh we're gonna get out of here we're gonna come back with uh uh what's upcoming on the SCTE calendar so some trainings that uh, y'all can uh, attend virtually and further your education and then we're going to come also come back with our, our you know the least important but what i think is the most fun part of our podcast is our our travel corner we're going to talk uh, about a couple recommendations um if you're in uh, the san antonio texas area 
you know, anytime, you know, ever. So thanks for listening and we will be right back. You're listening to Andy and John talk telecom. Okay. Welcome back. As uh, announced before the break, we're going to go into the SCTE calendar events and then the travel corner and we will get you out of here. SCTE, Society of Cable Telecommunications Engineers. John, we're going to be talking a, a lot about the SCTE, something that we are uh, highly active in um, yeah, in, in future episodes. Uh, but it is a great organization uh, for the telecom world. So if you're not already involved, I encourage you, highly, highly encourage you to go to SCTE.org, uh, see what it has to offer, and, and get involved. Uh, but some, some upcoming events on July 28th, which uh, should be tomorrow, since this is dropping on July 27th, the Iowa Heartland chapter has a fiber optic basics webinar. The webinar will help attendees uh, understand the importance of fiber inspection and cleaning fiber end faces and bulkheads. On July 30th, the Rocky Mountain chapter has a shielding integrity webinar that includes how to get the most from your tools and finding leaks. Uh, you go to SETE.org. Uh, they have some ongoing trainings, including cybersecurity essentials and IoT, Internet of Things fundamentals. And uh, lastly, here on August 12th, uh, the NAMIC Virginia, which stands for the, uh, the National Association for Multi-Ethnicity and Communications, uh, the Virginia chapter, is hosting a roundtable talk with uh, four panelists that is talking about uh, it's called Gig Talk, Understanding Tomorrow's Generation of Connectivity. Connectivity is more important than ever, and telecom providers are promising more robust and easily accessible connectivity in the years ahead. This lineup of strong cable experts will answer questions about wireless and 5G, cable and 10G, and whether these improved platforms will support and be available to underserved communities. Again, that is on August 12th. It's in conjunction with the SCTE um, so go to SETE.org to see all upcoming events. Uh, and like I said, we'll be talking a lot more about the SETE and the benefits of joining the SETE in future episodes. Yeah, so, excited to continue to support the SETE here. Um, and it's definitely something near my heart. As, as you said, Andy, we're both members of, uh, of, of uh, regional boards um, of the SETE. And, and not only is the SETE a great venue for networking in the industry, um, sharing ideas, uh, education. Um, you also have the benefit of telling people that you're a member of the Society of Cable Telecommunications Engineers and they think you're an engineer and you can get some uh, brownie points for that. So it's, it's a great professional organization. It's a, a great way to further your education and your training and uh, whatever role you are. And, um, you know, no one, no one knows it all, especially uh, with 5G and the future of telecom. So why not listen to uh, to some people that know a little about more, uh, know a little bit more than we do, and listen to them talk about it and uh, and continue to learn. Absolutely. All right, let's head over to our, our travel corner. The uh, the name of this segment under construction to be announced uh, on, on a further date, but uh, we'll we'll go with travel corner for now. Yeah, for sure. So. Recently, Andy and I were in San Antonio for a meeting, and we popped into a restaurant called I Declare, um, spelled I-D-A space C-L-A-I-R-E. So, I declare some girl named Ida, and her middle name is Claire. Maybe a maybe a whole name is Ida Claire. Maybe she's from the South Carolina, but uh, nonetheless, 
Awesome restaurant. Um, if you're looking for a unique spot with some killer food, I would definitely recommend I Declare. It's over in the uh, Quarry Market area. Um, you know, once everything cools down a little bit from this 100 plus degree summer that we have in Texas, uh, that patio would be a killer place to hang out. They've got a couple of Airstream RVs that they've been turned into bars. Um, and I would say that we went over there and we got the uh, I got the the uh, black and red fish, which was awesome. But man, that uh, pimento cheese dip with the sweet potato chips, yeah, an appetizer. I could not. Oh, dude, I could I could eat those all day. Yeah, the food the food was excellent. Uh, it's it's you know kind of new style Southern food. They have everything from shrimp and grits, black and red fish, chicken and waffles. That's uh, really an eclectic. Uh, and unique environment and I would definitely love to uh, sit out on that patio uh, you know once I don't have to worry about COVID-19 and you know 110 degree weather and kind of just sit on that patio and, and enjoy the surroundings so definitely a a great place to uh, stop in at if you're in San Antonio and it is right down the street from one of my other recommendations one of my favorite golf courses in the area called the Quarry Golf Course it's a fun course, super unique, uh, as it's built in an old rock quarry. Uh, but if you're going to go play there, go and play early. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind golfing in the middle of the day. I don't mind golfing in the heat. But once you get on the back nine of the quarry, it is deep into uh, the quarry itself. And um, it, it just, it's sweltering. There is no breeze uh, <laughs> and you are just baking out there. So, you know, heed my advice, go play early if you can or go play late uh you know if you're playing during the summer so uh, the quarry is a great course it's unique john have you played the quarry no i've not played i've seen the pictures of it i've driven by it and i've heard great things so that's definitely high on my list man we have got to go it is it is a a load of fun so you know go uh go swing the sticks over at the quarry for for 18 and then hop over to ida claire for uh for a great meal and uh you know your trip to san antonio will be will be a good one nice segue that's right that's right well thanks for listening everybody uh thanks for being here uh remember to subscribe to andy and john talk telecom on spotify or on apple itunes podcasts leave us a five-star review if you've got a question for us you know go ahead and leave that five-star review on uh itunes podcast ask your question and we'll we'll try to get to it in an upcoming episode uh but we we sincerely appreciate everybody's time and your support uh, John, you got any uh, any parting thoughts? No, I'm excited to get this first episode out there. And uh, thanks again to everybody for tuning in. And uh, can't wait to catch up with you all next week. That's right. That's right. Stay safe out there. And we will see you next time on Andy and John Talk Telecom. Peace out. <laughs>